I would invite you to stand in body or spirit for the scripture this morning. It's from the Gospel of Luke. <clears throat> the setting is we're in the last week of Jesus' life. He's entered on Palm Sunday. He's cleaned out the temple, and the chief priests don't appreciate that. So they ask him, where does he get authority to do things like this? And so Jesus tells them this story. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, may this never be. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, and what is the meaning of that verse which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. My first couple of years as a pastor, I was uh, stationed in, uh, in the district in uh, south, uh, far south Texas in the Rio Grande Valley. And I remember one day my supervisor, the district superintendent, telling me, you have a problem with authority. Well, I hadn't realized that, so I, I, I thought about that. And, and a couple weeks later, I was at a district uh, meeting with others of my colleagues that found out all of them were told they had a problem with authority as well. Now, that did not make the superintendent wrong. In fact, the longer I go on in life, the more I realize I probably do have some problem with authority. Not just receiving it, but sometimes even exercising authority. I tell you that because I think when we look at our world today, it's pretty fair to say that more and more there is a problem with authority. People who have long been considered respected or authority figures all report similar things, whether they be judges, school teachers, uh, pastors, government officials, uh, policemen and women, they all report that there, there seems to be less respect for their office than perhaps there was uh, some years ago. And with the rise of populism across Europe and the United States, it seems that one of the things that has come along with it is as people rise in their ability to speak for themselves, at the same time there seems to be a lessening of respect for those who have been in authority. I'm not here to complain about that. I'm here to set the stage because what you have in the story this morning is a parable told by one who is accused of having a problem with authority to people who are really the ones who have the problem with authority. Jesus has cleaned out the temple and and the chief priests who make a handsome amount of money in the temple system are pretty upset about it. And so they corner Jesus and they say, by what authority do you do this stuff? They have a problem with his exercising his authority, but they think he's the one with the authority problem. So he tells them the story. 
And, and he tells them a story about a, a guy that actually owns a large farming operation, leaves and then comes back to collect the profits uh, or the harvest from those who are supposed to be running the operation. Well, they don't want to receive it, so they beat one servant up, they beat another servant up, the third one uh, they wound uh, severely and humiliate, and finally the owner says, well, I guess I'll send my son, they'll respect him, and of course they talk the matter over and they say, if we kill and maybe we can inherit the property. And so with their problem with the uh, wealthy landowner's authority, they then kill. And so Jesus says, what do you think the landowner is going to do next? Well, he's going to come in and kill all the people who rebelled. And so they won't get the very land that they wanted and they don't even get to work the land Anymore, And so in this parable, the chief priests recognize that Jesus is saying they're the bad tenants. They're the ones who really have the problem with the higher authority. But it's not just them. There's a crowd of people, as you might imagine, in Holy Week that are following Jesus around ever since he came in on Palm Sunday. And they've got authority issues, too, because they live under this very familiar system. Uh, Ever since the Romans came in, the taxes got higher and more and more Farmers in Galilee and in Judea were losing their land to large Roman conglomerates. And the rule of thumb was if you were farming somebody else's land, uh, the rent that you paid for that was you had to give half of your harvest to the landowner. Landowner didn't do anything but, uh, but benefit from the high taxes and own the land And you had to pay half the profits. So people were chafing under the authority of wealthy landowners and under the Roman army. So what you have is Jesus tells them the story about people that had a problem with authority. But I think to me the lesson this morning is not just in the the parable that Jesus told, but the fact that he told them a parable. So my question is this, how do you deal with people? When, who are in authority and you have problems with them, do you directly rebel? Do you directly uh, clash? Do you put something intentionally on Facebook? How do you handle this sort of situation? And here's what Jesus did. He handled it by telling them a story. They questioned his authority. So he said, well, look, once upon a time, there's a wealthy landowner. He dealt with them, we might say, in an indirect but very effective means of communication. Sometimes stories are the most powerful way to reach um, people. I don't know if you've ever noticed on Sunday morning, sometimes you get a lot more out of the children's sermon than you get the sermon. And, And part of that is because there's something about a story in the children's sermon that sort of catches you unaware. You didn't really think they were talking to you, and so you're listening, and you don't have your guard up, and I don't have my guard up. In the same way, the story is sort of a non-aggressive, non-direct way of inviting people to take a second look at their situation. Beautiful thing about a story is that it preserves people's freedom. If, if, um, if I confront somebody, like my son when they were younger, and confront them about something, uh, they're put on the spot. If I tell them a story about somebody else and what they've done, they get, they get the freedom to kind of think about that for a while. And maybe they figure out if it applies to them. Of course, the most famous in the Bible is King David. Remember King David and he sinned with Bathsheba? And so God sends the prophet Nathan to confront David about it. Well, what do you do to the king? One word, it's off with your head. 
And so what he does, he tells him a story about a guy that owned a lot of sheep, but he went and took the one sheep that this other family owned. And David said, well, that's outrageous. This guy ought to pay, be punished for that. And so the prophet said to David, well, funny you should mention that. You are the man. He, in telling a story, it didn't get in his face, but he, he indirectly brought up the issue for him. And I wonder if Jesus is saying here that when we have struggles and problems with authority in our world, uh, whether it be governmental or theological or are in a family relationship, maybe the less aggressive way is actually the more effective way. And the less aggressive way in this uh, case was simply to tell a story. And the interesting thing was that in telling the story, they got it. Now, we're told that the people, when they heard the story, said, oh, may that never happen. Because they made the connection and realized they were the tenants and the Romans were the owners. And if they rebelled, the Romans would come and stomp on them. They knew where the story was going. And the chief priests knew that they were the tenants in the story because when Jesus told the story, they said, let's arrest him and kill him. They knew it was told against them. So what's fascinating to me is that it actually, it actually worked. And sometimes I wonder if Jesus is saying, when you have trouble with authority, maybe it's the indirect way, not the violent, aggressive way to confront it. You've probably heard the saying that if good has to resort to evil to defeat evil, then actually evil has won. So if we have to be aggressive and violent to make our point against authority, then Jesus is suggesting maybe that's not going to work. And, and the point of the story is they say, we'll kill the heir and then take the land. Well, legally, you can't inherit land by killing the heir. So Jesus was telling them, you're not going to get anything by your violent, aggressive tactics. But I also think part of the story is telling to the people like the chief priests who have authority say, be restrained in your use of authority. You don't want to be like that landowner that came and killed everybody. Sometimes I think we get tripped up in the parable because we think, well, God must be the one coming in to kill everybody. God must be the landowner. And, and it's not a one for one like that. In fact, they would hear this and go, oh my, oh my. We wouldn't want that to happen. So in this amazing story, Jesus does two things. He tells people who have problems, look, it's appropriate to respond when there are problems, but do it in a nonviolent way. And then to people who have the authority, he's saying, don't exercise your authority violently in ways that hurt other people. And they get the message. And so here's what amazes me in the story. They both get the message and it doesn't change their behavior. We're told the chief priests realize it's told against them. This parable about being violent. And so what's their response? Let's go be violent. It's like right over their head. And they arrest Jesus. And they have him killed. And then to the people who are chafing under Roman taxation, the message is a revolt is not going to help you. And what do they do? Within 40 years, they finally had enough. They have an armed revolt and they die. And their city is torn to pieces. They didn't learn. So it doesn't surprise me that Jesus closes the story with, with a, a Bible verse and says, you know, he doesn't even tell them again. He asks them, just think about it. What does it mean that the stone that gets rejected is the capstone? He just asks the question. Well, it's an interesting verse. It's in Psalm 118. 
Verse 22, that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And Psalm 118 is always recited Passover week. So basically, they've walked out of church where they just read this Bible verse of Psalm 118 and Jesus applies it for them. But the other thing is this, it had been applied traditionally to David's brothers. Do you remember David, uh, the shepherd boy? He was about 12, he became king. Do you think his brothers appreciated that? No. Remember when, when they're out there and there's Goliath and he goes to help them against Goliath, they taunt him, abuse him, and tell him to go back home. And so the story is told that it was his brothers who rejected the stone that would become the corner. And then the church picked it up, and Peter will use it a couple times in a sermon as saying, look, you're being confronted with something. It's one thing to bump into a stone, but don't trip over it and, and break your bones or let it crush you. Learn from it. Let me, let me put that another way. Uh, years ago in another church, I had a friend who got up in the middle of the night one night to get water. And, and he would do this on occasion. And he, he bumped into his ottoman. He had a big ottoman in the middle of the living room. Broke his toe. And so his response to that was, you know, cussed about it. You can't do much about a broken toe. Went back to bed. Uh, a few weeks later, he's up in the middle of the night. He wants water. Trips this time over his ottoman, breaks his arm. And so I ask him, why didn't you like at least turn on a nightlight or move the ottoman? It's one thing to bump into it the first time. But the second time? And I think that's what Jesus is saying. Look, let me give you this first warning about violence, about aggression, about unrestrained uh, um, response to people. Let me give you a warning so that you don't let it eventually destroy you. Pay attention to this warning. Pay attention to the one giving the warning. Because just um, a few days after he gives this warning, this man on Good Friday will go to the cross. But I want you to notice what happens on the cross. He doesn't go there to challenge authority. He goes there to obey a higher authority. He doesn't go there to take anybody's life. He goes there to give his life. He doesn't go to make things right by killing. He goes to make things right by dying. We would do well to learn from that example.